Welcome to Not Your Pastor's Pulpit, the place where ordinary people proclaim an extraordinary Jesus. Hey, Alex. Today we've got Jed from Church and Other Drugs. Oh, man. This was a good sermon, my friend. Good sermon. Jed is coming from the bowels of Louisiana. And him and his friend Jay have this awesome podcast, and you guys should go listen to a few of their episodes, subscribe, leave them a five-star review. Actually, Jason, they were they were on our podcast. Yeah, episode 20, Redemption Through Addiction with Church and Other Drugs. Oh, man, that was such a fun episode. We learned a lot, and we got to hear a lot of great stories from them. So This is a bombshell of a sermon, Alex. I agree with you wholeheartedly, my friend. So, Jed, take it away. That there's no death that awaits And you offer me a world and it's breaking and it hurts And I've never felt so alone And the brokenness I feel the reality that spills Into my open wounds and I don't know where I'll go Hey guys, this is Jed from church and other drugs um and this is my little submission this is a little i guess sermon type thing i wrote a while back um but i think it's pretty appropriate when i was thinking of what i could say um this uh kind of sums me up and sums up my relationship with jesus in a nutshell um it's got some mature content um it deals with some drug use but it's all it's you know there's no bad language or anything so Here we go. I whipped off my belt as soon as humanly possible. Hands careful not to overturn the precariously balanced spoon filled with a dark, muddy mixture. I do a quick glance around the parking lot, though I doubt seriously if any passerby would stop me from accomplishing my mission. Seeing the coast was relatively clear, I wrap the belt around my left bicep until it hurts. Then I tighten a bit more. A good tourniquet application is a top priority when most of your veins are collapsed or scarred. I knew I only had one, maybe two chances to hit my mark before I would have to abandon the injection site and search frantically for a new vein. I had one spot left, in the inside of my left forearm, where the the nerves had been deadened so that I could dig around with my needle with no pain. The needle was especially dull, as my clean needle supply had neglected to answer the phone that day. The vein has protruded to my satisfaction, so I make my first attempt. When you try to inject a dull needle into scar tissue and forced veins, it's akin to trying to pop a half-inflated balloon with a plastic fork. The vein bends at an impossible angle until the dull surgical steel rips its way inside. I immediately pull back on the plunger of the needle to register, which is when you provide reverse suction and, if successful, blood will first force its way into the syringe like creamer into coffee. Ask any IV addict, and they will tell you this is an addiction unto itself. It lets my body know what it can expect to happen in less than a second. Seeing the blood in the syringe, I push down on my plunger as fast as I can pull out the needle, cap it, lick my thumb, and press it onto the injection site firmly. I close my eyes. I wait. The feeling washes over you, from my lower back down to my feet, then back up my spine, into my sore, achy muscles, and onto the back of my eyelids. I'm where I want to be. This is what my life is for. This is the answer. 
This is heaven. And then, hell awakens me. I'm surrounded by figures with walkie-talkies attached to them. I hear radio static. I hear murmured voices. I'm shaking violently, uncontrollably. Do you know where you are? What did you take? One of the voices asks. Do you know your name? Do I know my name? Where am I? The picture around me becomes more visible by the minute, though the shaking continues. I'm in the road. I'm on my back. There's a paramedic next to me. They're police officers. My car is in the middle of the road, ahead of me. Traffic is being diverted. Uh, I, I can't remember, is all I'm able to eke out to the paramedic. Why am I shaking? I whimper. That's the Narcan. We brought you back. You're lucky to be alive. If I had a nickel every time I heard that, I would have spent the nickels on dope. This is what my search for an earthly heaven brought me. Death on the side of the road. The end goal, best case scenario for a heroin addict of my type, is a high that is so good, that is so comfortable, that you die. Free myself from this mortal coil. Because for all of my heaven chasing, I was living in hell. The car I shot up in was about to be repossessed for the numerous title loans I had out on it. I lost my job because I got caught on camera stealing tip money. My girlfriend was in rehab. My parents weren't speaking to me for years. I was on probation with a 10-year suspended sentence. I was 40 pounds underweight. I would get unspeakably ill three hours after my last dose. I had not been able to pray, talk to God, or think of anything or anyone other than myself or my desires. I longed for the end. Jesus is an injectable, and thank heaven he's not. Thank heavens Jesus is so much more than a physical feeling, a warm and fuzzy cure-all that I could hold in my hands, manipulate, use, and inevitably abuse. Jesus is a love so far beyond my comprehension, so removed from my selfish thinking, that I struggle to believe in him. How could a being love me when I try to kill myself on a daily basis? I don't even like myself, let alone love. So why should he? And yet, while I was overdosing, God came down to my level and allowed himself to be tortured. While I tightened the belt around my arm, Jesus was being secured to the cross. While I was struggling to find a vein, the Romans plunged nails into God. While I stole from everyone, Jesus was executed next to thieves. When I tried my best to murder myself, God allowed himself to be murdered. The creator of the universe, sun, stars, earth, and the very plant I sold my soul to died. For me. For you. For all of us. Let that sink in. Etch it into your very soul as your name is etched into the palms of Jesus. Why settle for an injectable Jesus when I can have an inconceivable love? So, yeah, that um, sums up my relationship with Jesus, I would say. Um, I could never quite understand how this this god of the universe this jesus could love me because it took me so long to figure out how to love myself and naturally if i don't love myself or like if i don't like a certain movie for another example i'm not going to trust anyone that likes that certain movie <laughs> so like i i'm the the have all end all on the discussion i guess 
So it just didn't make sense to me. And I, time and time and time and time and time again, God would bust into my life and remind me that he loved me. And, you know, today I have a life, and it's good to do things like this because even as I'm speaking now, it's reminding me that, yeah, Jed, Jesus loves you. Jesus is real. And look at where you've, you've come from. Um, I'm almost three years sober now. I'm, I'm married. I have a life I could never have dreamed of. And to think, if I got what I wanted, I would be dead on the side of some street. Like the most unromantic, just, just disgusting waste of life and just a death. But Jesus is God and Jesus is Lord and he allowed me to have this life and I'm, you know, I'm forever grateful for that. So I hope, um, you know, I hope that helps somebody out. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. like to share a sermon or story about Jesus on Not Your Pastor's Pulpit, you can do so by following three simple guidelines. Keep it short, keep it Jesus, and love others. If you would like to learn more about our submission process, please go to notyourpastorspodcast.com backslash pulpit or listen to episode 26. Until next week, go in peace, my friends. Be by your